Welcome back to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Sean Drotar, your host. You can follow me on Twitter, S-D-R-O-T-A-R, and delighted to be joined by, well, a man that I get to work with a lot of the time, which is a treat, the inimitable Sandy Clough. You can catch us both, by the way, from 2 to 4 p.m. every weekday, uh, only on Mile High Sports, but you can catch that any way you'd like, whether that's over the air, whether that's on MileHighSports.com, whether that's on the free Mile High Sports app, uh, any way you'd like. Sandy, thanks for joining me uh, on on this podcast where we can take a kind of a, a deeper dive into some of the things that are being that we're going on for the Broncos that now that we are done with all the organized team activities uh, it is basically the the dead zone up prior to training camp it is and in the past you would worry about players getting into trouble during this six-week interregnum right. <laughs> period uh, I don't know that the uh, uh, the Broncos have uh, so much to worry about in that way, but there are still a lot of unknowns. Listen, Sean Payton's a seasoned coach. Uh, he's had a full off season, which, uh, for example, John Fox did not have back in 2011 when there was the lockout going on. Good point. Uh, so uh, the, the Broncos didn't do any unusual things. Uh, the Jets, for example, canceled their mandatory mini camp, which seemed uh, a concession to Aaron Rodgers at the, uh, the very least, but things have gone along, uh, I think, in a way that suggests that it will be purely about business in 2023, for better or for worse. And I don't foresee a tremendous improvement over last year and the one lost record necessarily, but I think it'll be a completely different environment. Yeah, it does feel like the, it's sort of a, a a reset. And sometimes the NFL does allow, because of the, the the salary cap, the opportunity to maybe turn a franchise around faster in the NFL than you can in other sports, certainly. But it doesn't mean it happens instantly. And although it seems like every year there is a worst-to-first team that makes the playoffs, for the Broncos, that's pretty tough because we know who occupies first place. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. But the addition of Sean Payton, I think, is going to be extraordinarily impactful. Sometimes you talk about a coaching tree, right? And and Sean Payton comes off the Bill Belichick coaching tree. But there are guys Bill that are, Parcells, Bill Parcells yeah, and, Belichick. and Belichick, but uh, coming from that Parcells tree. And in, in certain cases, you look at a guy like a Belichick who takes mm-hmm. some of that from Parcells yeah. and then makes it his own. Uh, Sean Payton, mm-hmm. and I mean this in no negative way, is really more of a Parcells clone in many ways. Not really taking his own spin on it, but just literally taking what Parcells did and keeping those tenets going forward. That's an excellent observation because Parcells obviously was a defensive-oriented coach. That was his area of expertise uh, throughout his coaching career, really. Peyton is the offensive version of Bill Parcells. I think their coaching styles are similar. I think they're direct, but... They're also, in the best sense of the term, manipulative. They aren't above poking players here and there Mm -hmm. if they feel like it. And uh, he's not taking over a team or even an organization that's been in anything but disarray for the past seven years. Only... Justin Simmons, who was uh, arrived at the team following the Broncos 2015 Super Bowl season, arrived in 2016 for that nine and seven Broncos campaign, has been the only Denver Bronco that has experienced a winning season as a Denver Bronco. And even that was not very much. And again, it was 2016. So it, it feels with the new ownership that the time was right to hand it over to a guy uh, like Sean Payton and just say, hey, 
you do what you need to do. There really aren't any rules here. There really aren't any things that we have to keep uh, around. You reinvent this team the way you think it needs reinvented. And sometimes, although you don't want to be in that position as a franchise where you you actually realize that you almost just have to uh, to reset everything, but it can also be liberating because you can now take some of that culture, take the way that the, the organization works and get it going the right way from the start. And, and Sean Payton, depending on how you feel about him personally, the issues with Bounty Gate and the way he handled that, obviously there, there's some concerns about that, the way people uh, perceive him. But there's no question, given his career history, that he is a proven winner and a consistent winner. The man has doesn't have, a, you know, when you talk about losing seasons in his career. That would it. be three. Uh, and they were all seven and nine seasons. Seven and nine. Two thousand. Worst he's been. Seven, uh, seven and nine, and then uh, successive seven and nine seasons in fourteen and fifteen, and an eight and eight season in two thousand eight. Uh, otherwise, he was winning eleven, twelve games a year in New Orleans. Nine playoff seasons out of fifteen. Nine seasons in which the Saints offensively were one of the top five scoring teams in the NFL, including. Five of the last six years in New Orleans, of course, the sixth year, the final year in New Orleans was a season played without Drew Brees, a quarterback right. for Sean Payton. Now, that'll get us to Russell Wilson, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But this is clearly a season coach, 28th all-time in games coached, 23rd in all-time wins, 24th in all-time win percentage among coaches who have uh, performed for at least 50 games and among his contemporaries I think in total number of wins you've got Belichick you've got Reed you've got Tomlin you've got Carroll and you've got Mike McCarthy he's a top 10 coach in the NFL by any measure he sat out a year but yeah, it's it wasn't as if it's as passed by or anything as, right as if he went on sabbatical for that year, he was working for Fox, and he, like some of his predecessors here, Mike Shannon comes to mind very quickly. Mike Shanahan, a film nut, and so is Sean Payton. The The move by Payton to get hired was interesting, of course, because I think Payton and his, his agent, of course, were leveraging uh, potential teams for the jobs. And I didn't get the impression, quite frankly, that Denver was the first job he wanted. Now, every coach, when they're hired, talks about this is the job they really wanted. It appeared that perhaps Sean Payton would hope that the Dallas job would have opened up. That appeared to be his preference. But regardless, Unfortunately of, for him, Dallas made the playoffs last year right. and saved Mike McCarthy's job in the process. Otherwise, it very well may have gone that way. But however the Broncos end up getting him, they get him. And now Sean Payton is fully motivated to uh, prove that his second act uh, will be as good as his first. And that leads us, of course, you talked about the very successful football marriage of Drew Brees and Sean Payton and how well that had worked. And uh, it's easy to forget, even though Brees uh, was uh, the overall the, the first overall pick of the second round in the year he came out, looked pretty good until he was hurt against Denver, as a matter of fact. He was sacked on a safety and injured the shoulder. Final game of the 2005 season, I believe. I think that's right. And he was considered damaged goods mm -hmm. by most teams in the league, including the Miami Dolphins, uh, whose coach at the time was Nick Saban, and he really wanted Breeze. And the medical people, probably in addition to the front office staff uh, in Miami at the time, said no. Uh, he's got a bad shoulder and he's never going to be able to throw uh, the way he once did. And he was never known as a particularly strong arm quarterback to begin with. Saban turns out to be right. 
And Peyton, in his first year in New Orleans, 2006, has Drew Brees and goes 10-6 and six that first year and makes the playoffs and actually wins a playoff game. And I don't know that New Orleans was in better shape when Peyton took over than Denver is now. So That's there are really some encouraging pieces of Peyton's history for Bronco fans to consider. And there's parallels there because that leads me to Russell Wilson, damaged goods coming off. Now, the injury that he had in Seattle was minor of, of finger. But now, of course, he has had a couple injuries after his uh, first year. How about Denver. five? Yeah. So, so <laughs> to an extent, damaged goods. Both guys, uh, con- their height considered to be something of a detriment. Right. Uh, arm strength. Uh, concern potentially as Russell Wilson starts to decline. No question about Russell Wilson's arm strength over the course of his career, but now at his age, it is in decline. So you're talking about guys with injuries that are shorter, that arm strength is a question. There are more similarities between Drew Brees of of, uh, first arriving with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson now with his first year with Sean Payton than it might look at the surface. Wilson is 34. Drew Brees is now 34 in 2006. Uh, No. So... The yes, age gap is vastly the, different. The, the shoulder injury but the was considered similarities to be are not uh, right. There's some, right. something and to it. The, the idea that Wilson and Breeze have been close personal friends, unquestionable, um, that they have been friendly down through the years, and I'm sure Wilson knows a lot about Peyton from what Drew Breeze has told him. But Breeze and Peyton had some kind of telepathy going on where no one else in the room could really understand them, but they could understand each other. And I wonder if Russell Wilson is capable of developing that sort of relationship with his head coach. His job may depend on his doing so. On the bright side, Wilson has been amenable to being coached by Sean Payton before because when he had that uh, famous list of six teams of which he could be traded to, uh, one of them when Payton was the coach was the Saints. Now, obviously, Drew Brees was there for the majority of it, so why would you uh, worry about making a a trade there? But at the same time, it, it does show that when Wilson looks at coaches that he believes he would either like or could help him be better. Sean Payton was one of those guys that at least he was comfortable with. So it's not as if he's being handed a coach that that they will immediately be at loggerheads with. I, I don't know that I trust his judgment, though. This is the guy who wanted to get away from Pete Carroll and the offensive coaching staff as fast as he could and even get away from some of his teammates uh, whom he regarded as inferior many of whom to Denver's players. Have, and that did not turn out to be a, the case. a lot of players over the last years of Wilson's career, some notable ones uh, spending some time last year, actually calling him out on, on podcasts like this or in interviews, uh, Marshawn Lynch, one of them. I mean, surprising big, big stars of those Seattle teams, virtually everyone on defense from the Legion of boom. Yes has called out Wilson, even when they were playing with him mm-hmm. in Seattle after they won that first Super Bowl. And in subsequent seasons, when Seattle remained very much a contender for conference honors, if not uh, to actually win the Super Bowl, if they could get there, I think the quote that jumped out at me from last week's minicamp came from offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi because we remember last year that – However much blame you place on Hackett vis-a-vis Wilson, Wilson vis-a-vis Hackett, 
combination of the two, maybe some other factors that served a submarine, uh, their ability to work together professionally. It seemed clear that Hackett was kind of a laissez-faire coach and wanted Wilson to be comfortable and basically let him do anything he wanted to do. Yes. And there's Joe Lombardi coming out roughly a week ago at the minicamp saying, talking about Wilson, he's used to doing things a certain way. We know that to be true. And we're presenting a new way of doing things. And this harkens back to Peyton's comments at his introductory press conference. We meet in a certain way. We practice in a certain way. We train in a certain way, and it's not for everybody. I think it remains an open question with Russell Wilson. Is he prepared for something new? Can you teach the proverbial old dog new tricks when he has seemed resistant to that in the past? Seattle tried to change him. He didn't want to change. Hackett may or may not have tried to change him. I tend to think he was more than happy to let Wilson do what Wilson was supposed to be good at doing. But the result of that was Russell Wilson, the renowned deep thrower, was one of the worst deep throwers in the National Football League a year ago in 80 pass attempts of 20 or more air yards. And uh, for Wilson, that was one of his uh, main strengths, one of the better passing, at least at virtually every metric, deep passers. But at the same time, uh, Wilson, in part because of his height and part because of his uh, hyper-aggressiveness to, to kind of go for the kill shot with regularity. If you want to guard against Russell Wilson, what people have learned is you just guard the, the sidelines. He doesn't use the middle of the field very Outside often, the numbers on the deep for him shot. seems preferable right. to between them. And that makes sense. He's a, he's a smaller guy, likes to roll out, get the, get the time by the time. The problem is, as he ages and is moving a, a little bit slower, even that half second makes a difference, and, and he doesn't have a particularly skilled offensive line, you're actually looking for a recipe for disaster. And his sacks, which coming into Denver in the previous three years, had gotten to 3.3 per which is bad, uh, jumped to 3.8 almost in, in the last year for the Broncos. So he's still holding onto the ball too long, plus he didn't have the offensive line. It means that those kind of plays aren't going to be around with regularity in that case. And so what Peyton and company have to do, and you're right, in Wilson's case, there's been resistance. It was resistance for years in Seattle. Uh, you heard Peyton also allude in his opening press conference, we're not doing your own coaches and your your your. Other people don't have the there keys to the building. There will be no second floor office right. for it's Russell Wilson work. at Dove Valley. This anymore. is going to be for football only. The rest of it, you know, we know what Russell Wilson makes. You can rent, you can go to a WeWork or something and rent your own spot. But the, the, the Broncos, when they're talking about presenting something different, that's the where you go back to Sean Payton. Uh, it's not a presenting as if someone's bringing you a, a wine to sample at a restaurant where you can decide this one isn't what I want, send it back. This isn't, it's a nice way of saying this is how we do it. I got hired to do this. I have a mandate. Get on board or I'll find someone else who will. So this is the coordinator saying mm-hmm. this and the head coach kind of saying the same, same thing, thing about the whole team at the introductory news conference, which was refreshing because now we seem to have for the first time in some time, a coach who really wants to coach the whole team right. and not just defense, Vic Fangio, not just offense, Nathaniel Hackett. Yep and basically leave everything else uh, to your coordinators. Listen, there are all kinds of coaches who win in the NFL. There are CO types. Uh, There are people who tend to micromanage a little more. Uh, Belichick comes to mind because he continues to have the smallest coaching staff in the league. Sean Payton has brought in 
a coaching staff that is not necessarily star studded, but you know what? The Broncos have had star assistant coaches in the past and more often than not, they haven't done real well. Well, here. and even if they for do, whatever reason, then they leave. And there's a concern with that too. So sometimes having the, the folks that you believe in that are going to be reliable are helpful. So let's get down to that sort of brass tacks then. How do you think that relationship will work? And, and even more importantly, I guess, for Broncos fans and for the final result, how much better can Russell Wilson be? Where do you see the difference between the physical decline of his game and the fact that he had a coach that basically was over his skis in the first year and realized, I have a guy that's made the Pro Bowl umpteen times. I'm just going to kind of trust him to do his thing. That didn't work. Uh, and I think some of that does have to come into play. You know, Wilson is, is clearly a guy that needs coaching, whether he necessarily likes it or not. And he really didn't get it last year. When you go from zero to quality coaching all of a sudden, and we can talk about Davis Webb, the QB coach, and how much that might or might not play into things. But how much better do you think Russell Wilson statistically can be? How much better? You talked about maybe the results won't look as good, but it will look more like an NFL team that's on the rise. Well, I think the results almost have to be better. Don't it's they? Because hard it's envision. hard to be worse it really than is. he was last year. Then this offense was last year, failing to average even 17 points per game. And that's in spite of a late season Flurge. surge. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what to call it. Surge is probably too strong a term. But the bottom line is they averaged 16.9 points per game in 2022. Yes, they will do better than that because Sean Payton's offensive teams in New Orleans always did better than that with or without Drew Brees. Now, again, the caveat is that Brees was there for every year that Payton coached, save for the last year, and they went 9-8, and eight and they were 19th in scoring, but they were fourth on the defensive side of the ball, and I would think they look at this defensive group Vance Joseph, interestingly enough, the coordinator now, and they say, well, we can be a top 10 defense, maybe even a top five defense with what we've got. We've talked about whether that's realistic or not, but I think on offense, I think Wilson, if he's really studied Peyton, will realize in his last three years in New Orleans, the Saints were fifth in completion rate between the numbers. Mm -hmm. And he would be more than amenable, I would hope, to saying, all right, I'm going to work on the intermediate throws in the middle of the field where I can find a person I didn't have last year at my disposal, Tim Patrick, mm -hmm. who's a big target in the middle of the field. And yards after catch in New Orleans, uh, it, listen, they were, they were averaging – 5.8 yards uh, after the catch in the last five years that Sean Payton was and the And here's coach. where the Broncos have a secret weapon. We saw the way that the way that the Broncos used Jerry Judy, who seemed to finally come into his own a little bit, especially when the Broncos used him in the way that, quite frankly, most analysts thought the Broncos would use him. Slants, get him into space. He's a good route runner. He runs really tight routes. Uh, he does have good hands. He's electric after the catch. The Broncos started to use him in routes over the middle and timing routes and let him create. And Wilson and Judy actually had a very good connection to the end of the season, enough that you believe that that might be something to build on. If not, maybe the primary weapon in the passing game next year. Well, I think Jerry Judy has to be their leading Pass, but receiver, even that style most dangerous of pass. receiver. Yeah. Uh, but 
Tim Patrick coming back will make a difference. Uh, I don't know where that puts Cortland Sutton, but of course, in today's NFL, we all know you need at least three wide receivers who can be productive. And the Broncos last year did not have Tim Patrick at all beyond the first few days of training camp. So uh, there is some reason for concern, uh, I think, in other places. But at the wide receiver position, this is up to Peyton and, frankly, up to Russell Wilson in determining how best to use these people. But I'm looking at 2021, just without Drew Brees, the Saints averaged 5.76 yards after the catch. Brees had retired by Mm -hmm. then. Exactly. And and I think when you talked about that 19th, uh, in the league in scoring. Remember, by the way, that would actually be a 13-spot promotion for the Denver Broncos from last year. That's how bad uh, it was. That so, would be dead last. Uh, dead I, I believe last. if my math is correct. Yep, Let's yep. see, 13, uh, 19 plus, plus 13 19 equals 32. And two. Last time I looked, Just behind the teams. Houston Texans, last seen drafting a quarterback Isn't number that two something? overall because they didn't have anybody. Even the Houston Texans scored more than more the Broncos. More than the Broncos. They added, by the way, Marvin Mims uh, Jr. in the second round as well as another wide receiver. So the stable there is full. Uh, let's move to the other part of this equation, the offensive line. Now, the offensive line from a left to right, as it stands, would be Garrett Bowles, new addition Ben Powers out of Baltimore, Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, you would have Quinn Miners at right guard, and then new the big money addition, in particular Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. On paper, even though this may not look like one of the very best uh, offensive lines in football, it is probably the best offensive line the Broncos have assembled since they won the Super Bowl in 2015. You damn with faint praise, but I think that's right. You're just trying to help uh, Because McGlinchey has been, considering where he was drafted, somewhat of a disappointment. But by Bronco standards, he seems to be a guy who can be counted on maybe to stay healthy. And I don't know if he plays all 17 games, but the Broncos at right tackle would take 15, 16 games happily from McGlinchey this year, and his play would almost have to be an upgrade over any right tackle the Broncos have used, really, uh, since Orlando Franklin in 2013, hard as that is to believe. Uh, Miners has to stay healthy at right guard. When he was healthy, he played relatively well last year. Cushionberry is supposedly bigger apparently bigger we'll see what that means the broncos did not make a significant move to to upgrade that position which was something of a surprise although uh it's not a surprise given the fact that cushionberry really has everything you want in an nfl center except he's got a good head and size and everything else is there to get along last year. right well again that was not worth much but they did seem to get along uh powers i believe is an upgrade over Dalton Reisner. And maybe that says more about Reisner than it says about Powers. And Bowles, uh, I think, is somewhat of a question mark, uh, not the least, uh, among other reasons, not the least of which is the fact he's coming back from a very serious leg injury. Uh, He was second-team All-Pro in 2020, but that was kind of a weird year, as we all know. And until proven otherwise, it looks like an anomaly. Dalton Reisner, by the way, as we record this, uh, just about five weeks out of training camp, is unsigned. Entirely unsigned. So well, I, it's hard I, to argue that Powers wouldn't be an upgrade. a sense of his value that goes well beyond what, what other teams feel teams about seem him. to feel. So uh, obviously for the Broncos, they think that's better. So uh, 
the, the, the last part of the equation as we kind of look at this here is the way the Broncos try to build. And, and uh, yes, if you're Broncos fans, you're familiar with some of the names. Uh, Jerry Judy was a, a huge star at Alabama. Russell Wilson, of course, uh, up until last year, looked like an absolute lock for the Hall of Fame. Uh, last year's season so disastrous that maybe called that into question. But you're talking about uh, beyond that, maybe had, if he had not been hurt, you know, Javante Williams would be in that mix. But when you're talking about, honest to goodness, star players, are there name players with the Broncos? Sure. Broncos fans know Cortland Sutton uh, very well. That There are some other players that they're familiar with. But around the league, teams would say the Broncos have two and exactly two stars. Uh, Justin Simmons is unquestionably a star and an all-pro caliber player in any given year. Uh, Patrick Sutan seems to be moving in that direction. Um, there were portions of the season last year in which he looked exceptional, mainly in the first half of the season. And then during the second half of the season, he seemed to level off. I, I happen to think that the Broncos might be in slightly better position uh, with respect to depth at the corner position than people tend to imagine. But otherwise, apart from those two players, it's time to show and not tell. I think probably going into this season, their third best defensive player could very well be DJ Jones, but he's a nose tackle. Right. And nose tackles rarely play more than 35 to 40% of the time, if that much, even the good ones. And so, again, we look at the Zach Allens and the Frank Clarks of the world, and it is a bit disconcerting that uh, Baron Browning will be on physically unable to yeah. perform as training camp opens. Uh, and unfortunately, I guess for the Broncos, that's one of the very few. Sertan, by the way, graded out pro football focus, which you, you take some of that with a grain of salt, but uh, second best overall cornerback in the league. Uh, number one, actually, was rookie sauce Gardner. Uh, they do favor a lot of man-to-man coverages over at pro football focus, which is part of that, but also part of the reason that Sertan is also ranked as high as he is. So there are a couple stars, but it's not nearly as much as you might think. The Broncos will go into training camp in just about uh, four to six weeks, depending on uh, how it all works out. They will come into it mostly healthy for the most part, but it is going to be a very interesting campaign. And of course, we're going to uh, take a couple weeks off while the players and coaches take a couple weeks off. We'll be back after the 4th of July holiday where we can start uh, getting into this season in earnest, but who better to help us set the scene than the one and only Sandy Clough. Sandy, thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure, Sean. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back on as we record this. Uh, we'll be headed to do the show that we do every single weekday from 2 to 4 p.m. As we said on Mile High Sports, you can check that out as well. Anyway, again, Mile High Sports, the app, the website, uh, over the air. Thanks for listening. This podcast, of course, wherever you end up listening to it, thank you for listening to it as well. We hope you subscribe. We have a lot more coming next month and going into a very important and sea change season for the Denver Broncos. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar, S-D-R-O-T-A-R on Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Broncos Blitz on Mile High Sports.